If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Let us humbly confess our sins unto Almighty God. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. We have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life. To the glory of thy holy name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution and remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, open thou our lips. And our mouth shall show forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Psalm 39 I said I will take heed to my ways, that I offend not in my tongue. I will keep my mouth as it were with a bridle, while the ungodly is in my sight. I held my tongue and spake nothing. I kept silence, yea, even from good words, but it was pain and grief to me. My heart was hot within me, and while I was thus musing, the fire kindled, and at the last I spake with my tongue. Lord, let me know mine end and the number of my days, that I may be certified how long I have to live. Behold, thou hast made my days as it were a span long, and mine age is as is even as nothing in respect of thee, and verily every man living is altogether vanity. For man walketh in a vain shadow, and disquieteth himself in vain. He heapeth up riches, and cannot tell who shall gather them. And now, Lord, what is my hope? Truly, my hope is even in thee. Deliver me from all mine offenses, and make me not a rebuke unto the foolish. I became dumb, and opened not my mouth, for it was thy doing. Take thy plague away from me. I am even consumed by the means of thy heavy hand. When thou with rebukes dost chasten man for sin, thou makest his beauty to consume away, like as it were a moth fretting a garment. Every man, therefore, is but vanity. Hear my prayer, O Lord and with thine ears consider my calling. 
hold not thy peace at my tears. For I am a stranger with thee, and a sojourner, as all my fathers were. O oh, spare me a little, that I may recover my strength, before I go hence, and be no more seen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the tenth verse of the forty-second chapter of the book of Isaiah. Sing to the Lord a new song, and his praise from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you coastlands and you inhabitants of them, let the wilderness and its cities lift up their voice, the villages that Kedar inhabits. Let the inhabitants of Selah sing. Let them shout from the top of the mountains. Let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praise in the coastlands. The Lord shall go forth like a mighty man. He shall stir up his zeal like a man of war. He shall cry out, yes, shout aloud. He shall prevail against his enemies. I have held my peace a long time. I have been still and restrained myself. Now I will cry like a woman in labor. I will pant and gasp at once. I will lay waste the mountains and hills and dry up all their vegetation. I will make the rivers coastlands and I will dry up the pools. I will bring the blind by a way they did not know. I will lead them in paths they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked places straight. These things I will do for them and not forsake them. They shall be turned back. They shall be greatly ashamed who trust in carved images, who say to the molded images, you are our gods. Here ends the first lesson. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowliness of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath magnified me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him throughout all generations. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seat, and hath exalted the humble and meek. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He, remembering his mercy, hath opened his servant Israel, as he promised to our forefathers, Abraham and his seed forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the 18th verse of the second chapter of First Peter. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable, if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, 
that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Here ends the second lesson. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, to be a light to lighten the Gentiles, and to be the glory of thy people Israel. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O Lord, save the state and mercifully hear us when we call upon thee. And do thy ministers with righteousness. And make thy chosen people joyful. O Lord, save thy people. And bless thine inheritance. Give peace in our time, O Lord. For it is thou, Lord, only that makest us dwell in safety. O God, may clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. Almighty Father, who hast given thine only Son to die for our sins and to rise again for our justification, grant us so to put away the leaven of malice and wickedness, that we may always serve thee in pureness of living and truth, through the merits of the same thy Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give that our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we, being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness, through the merits of Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night, for the love of thy only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Good evening to all. A couple brief thoughts about our lessons tonight. We have, um, start off, I think it, it's best to start in Psalm 39. Um, psalm 39 is a, a sojourner psalm, which um, we have another one as one of our possible canticles in the prayer book for evening prayer, Psalm 98. Um, and whereas Psalm 98 begins with the theme of sojourning with God, um, Psalm 39 ends with it. And the place where it begins, however, um, is it, it begins in a place of um, sort of perplexity and, and despondency, we could even say. 
um, that, uh, you know, this, the psalmist is doing everything he can to sort of, you know, bridle his tongue in the face of what seems to be mounting and almost overwhelming wickedness that he observes. Um, and, you know, it seems like he kind of, he says it was like, it was, hot, it was like heat within me, it burned within me. These, you know, the things I was not saying, I kept my, I kept my mouth shut. Um, and these, yeah, and yet my spirit and my heart was like, you know, like melting on the inside. And it's this, and, you know, there's this, you know, we get this mounting sense of the desperation of the moment. Um, and then that's contrasted pretty abruptly in the middle of the psalm, in the second movement of the poem, where you have um, a sudden shift of perspective in the psalmist to, we, you know, we don't really get to see what the effect of whatever that was, whether he actually, you know, un unleashed this molten hot lava of, of, of condemnation that was brewing within him or not. But what ends up happening is this kind of sudden shift in reflection on the, you know, the sort of the, the the relative positions of God and humanity, and how God is the, is everlasting, spans from everlasting to everlasting, and yet humanity is what he calls, but a vain shadow is altogether vanity, and that 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 sort of again the poetic picture we're getting here, the imagery of the poem. Um, really hinges on the on what vanity means in Hebrew, which is it's this word that has a kind of um, it, it suggests impermanence, of course, but because but only because it's it literally means a kind of dense like cloud, um, and and recurringly in the Old Testament, this word is used to suggest something that appears to be substantial and appears to have great weight to it, and then as soon as you act as though it has great weight, it reveals itself to be very insubstantial and not to be very weighty. And that really is a deeper meditation on the the kind of the tension of the initial part of the poem, which is, you know, this thing that the psalmist is reacting to seems to have great gravity and is driving him to just speak all these like, you know, invectives against it. And yet, as soon as he does, it's revealed that this, you know, this has been one more time that the psalmist has fallen into this misapprehension of what is actually substantial. And thus his prayer becomes, Lord, Teach me to number my days, which is an indirect way of, of, of praying for it. You know, teach me what is, you know, how to see things in actual perspective. Teach me to see things in proportion, not only to see how big any given day or any given event of my life is with the whole span of my life in proportion, but then also to see how, how you know, my own life in proportion to your everlasting life. And so what that does is it sets everything in proper relation to each other. And when those things are set in place, then everything, we begin to see reality as it really is. And we begin to see things in truth. And it's when we get those things out of proportion that we're, you know, we're led inordinately to react to something to a much higher or a much, you know, misdirected degree than they, than they probably merit. And we begin with that because that, that helps us to understand what's going on in the two readings tonight. And especially when we get to Isaiah 42, where we're talking about a sequence of passages and really more poetry in Isaiah's uh, prophetic book um, concerning the, this figure of the servant. Um, and the servant is this figure that pops up in the, this, you know, 10 or 12 chapters of Isaiah. Um, and it's, and it's this figure, this, this figure that is, you know, being foretold of that through whom God is going to enact this mighty epochal sort of like world, world changing action. And then as this, you know, so we, we see that signal at the beginning of the chapter, um, or at the beginning of our reading tonight with the command to sing to the Lord a new song. And anytime you see those words in the Bible, um, you have to take note of that when you sing to the Lord a new song, it means that there is a kind of era that is shifting. 
um, from one way that the world was to a new way that the world will be. And these are sort of these threshold moments where, you know, the world is passing from one way of being to another way of being. Um, so keep note of those in your Bible notes about when you see that phrase, that's what's happening there. So what's happening here, and we get this kind of paradoxical picture that emerges, where on the one hand, the Lord is depicted as, you know, as we've been reading in morning prayer in the book of Exodus, as the man of war, right, who crushes the chariots in the Red Sea. And yet, drawing from that image almost immediately, we see it kind of combined paradoxically with this image of a woman in labor as well. And so we're given this image of like this great warrior who is also a woman in labor, uh, who is conquering and, and, and upending the world's order and yet is, you know, is, is, you know, in the pains of childbirth at the same time. And this picture together is giving us this kind of is inviting us into this meditation on how is it that these two things kind of happen, you know, in the same action? How is it that, that the Lord's activity is both like a, a world conquering, you know, king and also like a woman giving childbirth. How, how can these things be? And that's the question we're invited into. But what we end up seeing that, that draws us back to the psalm again is this image of sojourning that whatever this is like, it's going to radically change everything in the world. And that is going to be pretty much nothing but bewildering to everyone who experiences it, both to the people that are outside of the, of, of the Lord's, you know, of the Lord's gracious protection who are complicit with the world in all of its ways. But then even also the people that are with the Lord in the midst of all of this, those that are his own and faithful to him that he is preserving through this great calamity, they're gonna look around and be like, it's kind of like I'm just being blinded by all these flashing lights. Not sure what's going on here. Um, and the significant thing at the end of this is that we're being, we're being led through this. Um, and that we're not going to always understand how this work is, you know, move by move by move coming to pass. And that's not really the point. That's not really what we're being invited into is a kind of comprehensive, you know, point by point understanding of all of these things. What we're being, what we're being invited into is a fellowship that is being led by the hand, by the hand of this, you know, this Lord whose action is both the conquest and childbirth of some new world. Um, and these things are all happening and we're going to keep asking that question. How can all of these things be? How can all of these things be happening at the same time? And we're not promised really a conclusive answer to that. What we are promised is that if we will continue to walk hand in hand uh, and to sojourn with the Lord as a as a pilgrim, right, that we will be led through the calamity and that we'll be led into into the world that is being born. The world is being born through this awful kind of cosmic childbirth that's taking place. And then we see that, you know, sort of come into really incarnate form, of course, in First Peter, where he, where again, we, we, we've been, you know, Peter has been couching his whole letter in this image of being sojourners and pilgrims, which began chapter two, which we read last night. Um, and the, one of the characteristics of that is, look, it's not gonna always be clear how this resurrection, this new creation is actually transforming everything, transforming the cosmos, and bringing forth the new creation. But it is, as we read in Isaiah, right? It is both the conquest of the world that is, and it is the birth of the world that is that, that is being made manifest in the in and through the risen Christ. And, you know, as, as his people, as the people that have been made to abide with and in that Lord Jesus, um, we're, we're again, not promised uh, at all that we'll, we'll be able to clearly see how these things all make sense with each other or how in every infinitesimal detail 
the Lord is transforming and redeeming the creation and bringing us through as his sort of remnant people into that new creation. What we are promised, though, is that if we continue to walk as faithful sojourners with him, even when, like the Lord Jesus, um, we are made to endure the paradox of being the victorious people of the of the conquering risen Lord, who are also getting beat up by the world um, pretty constantly, um, how these things can exist together is is nothing new for the faithful people of God. We are constantly being invited into that, but we are promised that if we will stand fast, that if we don't let go of the Lord's hand as he leads us through this, that yeah, we will be brought through. Um, and that the only thing that can that can separate us is if we will to be separated from him. Um, but nothing can take us from him. And the bewilderment is not ultimately a sign of faithlessness or that or or a sign that anything is going wrong. In fact, it's a sign. It's just a sign that has always been there that we are with the one who is leading us through and he knows where he's going. And it is not our job to know the whole road ahead all the time. It is our job to trust. It is our job to stay close. It is our job to stay together. And when we do, we find that, uh, wow, we've been led through the Red Sea. Wow, we've been led home from the captivity. And wow, we've been led into the kingdom that our Lord has promised. And so that's our exhortation tonight is it's a call to trust. Um, but to know that that trust is not in vain, that trust will be vindicated, that trust is rewarded, and no amount of suffering that we endure in the midst of that trust for the Lord's sake is ever, ever wasted. That's a few thoughts for tonight. We'll continue with our intercession. Accept, O Lord, our intercessions for all mankind. Let the light of thy gospel shine upon all nations, and may as many as have received it live as becomes it. Be gracious unto thy church, and grant that every member of the same in his vocation and ministry may serve thee faithfully. Bless all in authority over us, and so rule their hearts and strengthen their hands, that they may punish wickedness and vice and maintain thy true religion and virtue. Send down thy blessings, temporal and spiritual, upon all our relations, friends, and neighbors. Reward all who have done us good, and pardon all those who have done or wish us evil, and give them repentance and better minds. Be merciful to all who are in any trouble. And do thou, the God of pity, administer to them according to their several necessities. For his sake, who went about doing good, thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining in tonight. And thanks to Aaliyah, my co-leader. Hope you have a wonderful start to your weekend, everybody. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Thank you. Thank you. Happy Easter. Thank you, Father. Many thanks. Thank you for the thanks. encouragement. <laughs> yeah, that was that was great. Thank well, you. Great night, everybody. Yeah. See ya. Good to see yeah. you, Thomas. Good to see you, everybody. That was cool.